Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze. The one nature herself drapes in the hills and hollers. Inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. The tall tales. The true stories. And the current goings-on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in the summer. Thanks for meeting me here, you guys, to put together Episode 9, our holiday show. Hey, you guys, I brought some wassail. It's the holidays, after all. Let's celebrate while we work. What segments do we have, and whose stuff isn't ready yet? I taped Susan's interview with musicians Kurt and Marge Young. And I talked with Tom Tedrow, a very fine furniture artisan. I'd really like to hear how the interview went. He was such a good subject. Kaylee turned in a nature segment, and this time it's about Brown County's moonwalkers. I think Historical Society recorded a piece about something that might have happened in the past. Well, let's get going or we'll be here till Christmas. Tyra said she'd bring us a snack. Let's start with some music. This is Brown County artist Susan Showalter, and I'm sitting here with our guests today, Kurt and Marge Young, two local musicians, and been around Brown County for quite a while. I used to listen to them on a regular basis at the Daily Grind, and they often play here locally and other places too. Kurt, how did you get involved in music? I was encouraged by my third grade teacher, so it's been a while. But uh, as far as recent history, a friend of mine had a uh, small, what was optimistically billed as a bluegrass band. I had never played a stringed instrument. I think I was about 30 or something like that. Oh, my goodness. He gave me an old beat-up bass and said, teach yourself. So I worked on it, and I wouldn't say I'm a great bass player, but I can keep rhythm anyway. Was that up in Indianapolis? Yeah. Is that where you're from? No. Actually, I was born in Bloomington. Oh, you were? I didn't know that. Went to high school in Speedway. I've lived in several different places and wound up one county away from where I was born. So have you always been a Hoosier, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. we lived in Florida for a brief period. But mm-hmm. and How about you, Marge? I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, and born and raised there. Left Cincinnati to live in Indianapolis in about... 1974 or 5. So I've been a Hoosier probably longer than I have been in a Buckeye. Mm. But uh, my background in music and stuff started early on because my family's all musical. My grandfather wrote poetry and could, he was, you know, last name of McCarthy. So mm-hmm. Irish tenors were in the family and that sort of thing. And all of my siblings all ended up having some musical ability that showed itself at a young age and it kind of started with that and I learned how to play guitar probably when I was about 14. Did you perform as a family? No, only for other family members. Most of us played instruments in like youth symphonies and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. My one sister is an operatic prano and studied music in New York City and now she lives in Kansas City not a professional musician, but sure was able to sing and play piano and play violin and viola. I have another brother that studied music. He uh, played trombone and other brass instruments. Have you always played guitar? I started out on oboe and uh, played that in high school and junior high and all of that and was pretty good at that. So I still play recorder. And the guitar started out as a ukulele. Since there were five of us kids, we didn't have a whole lot of money. We were allowed to get one musical and started out with the ukulele for a number of years. And it was just a lot of whining on my part. 
art and practice that made made them think that maybe I could do well enough to have another couple of strings on the instrument. So I got a guitar, and I used that a lot in high school and Girl Scouts, actually. You know, Girl Scouts used to be a real active kind of organization, and camping and singing around the campfires, and the folk singer <laughs> thing was really big at that time, and so I practiced a lot. How did you two get together? It's a very short but involved story. <laughs> that bluegrass band had developed, and it had uh, added some people, and uh, one of the individuals, a singer from Tennessee, and we had a an engagement one Saturday night, and he got called to go to some place in Iowa, so we were without our lead singer, so we thought, well, who can we get, and so Marge agreed to play. So that was how we first met, was practicing that Saturday afternoon for a Saturday evening gig. How'd the gig go? Not well. <laughs> so how did you develop your style, and what styles do you like to play? We've written a few original songs, but there are so many that I really enjoy hearing songs that mean something to me in terms of time or place or event. Of course, we've drawn on the uh, common bluegrass background, but uh, some folk music, some country influences, and some rock and roll. It has to be something that we can at least adapt to uh, two voices and acoustic instruments mm-hmm. without percussion. We've had a lot of fun with it. Well, you sure spread a lot of joy with your music in this community. We try. Some days are better than others. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> well, one, one of the things I've really enjoyed is that you know a lot of the old-time songs that a lot of musicians don't seem to know. I was married to a musician, and I learned a lot of those things, so I always love hearing those again. Well, there's a reason for that, you know. <laughs> and singing along with you in the back <laughs> of the restaurant or whatever. Well, what do you mean there's a reason for that? Well, the reason is that, you know, I was around when they were hits the first time. So. <laughs> yeah. But I'm talking about some of the really old things that are old folk music. Some people don't seem to know. Like We've got some. In fact, we've got one we do that I'm not sure what century it's. We're into kind of sad minor right. modes. Some of those are just awesomely different than modern music so that they just really resonate differently for people nowadays, I think. The emotions in a lot of those songs that have endured so long are still the same emotions people have now. And and some of the subject matter, I was noticing when we had our live show in October, some of the selections that you played there just apply to what's going on today, too. You know, with the hard times, that's particularly one of them. Hard times is um, attributed to to Stephen Foster. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. So Mm -hmm. it's a fairly old song. And it is, uh, you know, times have always been hard for for people. For some people, yeah, yeah, definitely. This original song that you're going to play here today, can you tell me about it and how it evolved? 91, I guess, or 93. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah, 91. It was the uh, first Iraq invasion. Oh, okay. You know, uh, we were kind of disturbed by it, and it was uh, coming up Christmas time, and, and I got to thinking that, well, it seems to me that a lot of what people do and the way people act, you know, is much different than what they, in theory, are learning on Sundays in church and or professing publicly to believe. So I, I was just disturbed by it, you know, so we put together a Christmas carol. Well, let's hear it right now. This is A Christmas Wish by Kurt Young. And Marge. And Marge Young. We bring to you a Christmas wish That all men's dreams were made of this Peace on earth, goodwill to men Our gold and myrrh, our frankincense 
safe at mother's breast A miracle of birth Soon to take first halting steps Transfiguring the earth Worn figures come from wilderness To see the Son who God has blessed Faces plain turn from the night To wash their pain in healing light Guiding with a gentle hand Callous but not rough A carpenter from Bethlehem With universal love songs we lift our hearts they hold a precious gift worth more than gold silent under morning star given from above may soldiers all decline to war and lend their strength to On earth, good will to men, our gold and myrrh, our frankincense. Boy, that was great, wasn't it? Just what the doctor ordered. Now let's hear that historical piece. We usually start the historical society segment with a little phrase. What's the difference between then and now? Well, when we talk about holidays, I think it's more appropriate to say, what's the same between then and now? Holidays have always been a time when we rested from our chores, when we gathered together and we celebrated our blessings, when we told stories about our ancestors, about our families, about our neighbors. We need these reminders. They help us to hold on to to ourselves, to hold together And this is a wonderful time also to sing, to share homemade treats and crafts. All cultures have their holidays. Holidays with different songs, different dances, different stories. Different times to celebrate the traditions within their own family, their own clan, nation, or religion. Brown County was blessed with bounty in its forests, creeks, and hollows. And the people who lived here were smart in the ways of the nature. Men went hunting for deer and turkey, and of course, they always had wonderful turnips and parsnips, pumpkins and potatoes, all those wonderful foods that are eaten right now. One of the most pungent memories we have are the smells, the smells of the holidays, of cookies and pies baking. Food celebrations are a mix of the new and with the traditions and foods brought over from the old country. 
For instance, the gingerbread house contest that we recently had at the Traditional Arts Building had its roots in Germany. And we are so lucky that Ruth Reichman stopped in today because she's going to tell us about the roots of the gingerbread house. Ruth, could you go ahead and tell us all about it? Well, the gingerbread house actually goes back to a story which was written down by the brothers Grimm, Hansel and Gretel, because the two children happened upon the witch's gingerbread house and uh, started to eat from it. And uh, then there was somebody else who brought that story over to the United States that was uh, the beautiful Christmas opera Hansel and Gretel by Engelbert Humperdinck, uh, which uh, brings again the story of Hansel and Gretel and ends with the gingerbread house. Now, how does gingerbread house and gingerbread belong together, Julia? That's the question. That's the question. Can you tell us about it? Where did it really start? It started a long time ago. The first time it was documented was about 600 years ago. And uh, um, it was probably started in the monasteries in Europe. Uh, And uh, what happened is, as you know, a monastery needs a lot of candles. First of all, 600 years ago, they needed it for lighting. And uh, they also needed it for the altar and for decorations and uh, for all sorts of things. And wherever you have candles, you need to have bees. And wherever you have bees... You have honey, Julia. Okay. And when you have honey, what do you do with it? And so the monks thought, well, let's put it on one of those uh, wafers that we use for communion, Uh, put a little flour with it, maybe a couple of nuts, and uh, maybe some eggs, and and, uh, have it held together with that uh, uh, wafer. And uh, it will make some good food for the holidays or to give to some poor people or something else. And it was then called a honey cake. And out of that uh, came then uh, Lebkuchen or gingerbread. And uh, it uh, took off in Germany in some areas, especially Nuremberg, which became a big place for producing both candles, honey, and gingerbread. And they're sending it all over the world right now. And if you want to buy some here in Indiana, all you have to do is go to an Aldi store or to Trader Joe. Now, do you want to talk about other cookies? Uh, maybe like the Springerle? Yes, tell us about that. That's one of the prettiest cookies this time of year. They are made from molds. And uh, what you do is you make your dough out of uh, mostly, uh, I think it's flour and eggs. And uh, then you imprint uh, with that mold uh, the nice Springerle pictures. And uh, you have to dry it overnight in uh, your refrigerator, and the next day you bake it. And uh, on uh, the uh, surface that you bake it on, you put a little bit of anise. 
and uh, that's why sometimes they're called honest cookies. Honest cookies. So uh, that's uh, a, a very well-known Indiana tradition, uh, the Springerly cookies. Could well, you tell us something else? Uh, we know about Hansel and Gretel and that beautiful gingerbread house. What about the Sugar Plum Fairy? Is, oh, did well, she live in the gingerbread house, or is that a different story well, altogether? Well, the Sugar Plum Fairies, they dance in children's heads when they dream about Christmas trees. On the old German Christmas tree, there were always sweets. On Twelfth Night... Now, you know the 12 days of Christmas, don't you? Yes. The first day is on the 25th, and if you call uh, count out 12 days, you will arrive at January 6th, and uh, that is called Epiphany, Three Kings, or Twelfth Night. On that day in Germany, the tree was taken down. The kids would take down the sugar plums and eat them. But you know about the sugar plum fairy, the nutcracker ballet? No, tell us about the sugar plum fairy. Okay, that's uh, the dance of the sugar plum fairies is one of the many dances in the Tchaikovsky's ballet of the nutcracker. Now, the nutcracker is based on a story written by E.T.A. Hoffman and was called The Fight of... uh, Uh, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. And you will find in that ballet uh, the family Stahlbaum, and you will find the magician uncle Drosselmeyer, who gives the Nutcracker to Clara, his uh, godchild. And as she goes to sleep, she dreams as she uh, goes there with a sled through the air, Uh, with her beautiful prince to the snowflakes, to the sugar plum fairies, and to many, many other places. That's wonderful, Ruth. Thanks for reminding us that we're not just consumers this time of the year, that we're also keepers of our culture and keepers of our stories. Hey, I just got a copy of the Sheriff's Log. Listen to this one. Caller from Grandma Barnes Road said Grandpa has been gone since this morning when he went out to kill the turkey. And now, station identification. I always love having the historical perspective, but hearing about food is making me hungry. When is Tyra getting here? Uh, come on in. We're not recording yet. 
Hey guys, I brought you a holiday treat from Gratesville. The potted possum says here right on the can, Brown County potted possum is made from tender young critters that are fetched fresh daily from Brown County's finest blacktop roads. There ain't nothing worse than gravel or grit in potted possum. We guarantee there ain't no additives like skunk or coon. Yum. Let's try some. I don't know. (laughs) Episode 9 is shaping up pretty good. I want a little more of that, what'd you call it, George? Let's have a warmer of that wassail and hear about Kelly's adventures under the full moon. The moon. It pulls our tides, and some say it pulls our emotions. In Brown County, it pulls together a group of people called the Moonwalkers. To talk about this group, I'm here with Mike Kelly. Good evening, Mike. Good evening, Kaylee. Who are the Moonwalkers? Well, the Moonwalkers are a group of people who enjoy getting together once a month and uh, celebrating the full moon. We all have this nice respect for nature, and that's why we're out here. Seeing a different phase in nature when we're out here with the moon. And I think we get out here with a campfire and walk in the woods, it just pulls us back to our roots. It's just not about celebrating the full moon, though. We also enjoy eating and we enjoy socializing. And we always take a hike after we eat to get some exercise and to work off the calories. I love the exercise. And once you start hiking, fellowshipping with this group of people, it's almost addictive. You enjoy the outdoors. You're experiencing a part of the night that most people really shy away from. And we embrace it. So your purpose in starting this group was social? Yeah, it really was. And it's just something that's caught on. To get people motivated initially, I created what we call some moonwalk tickets, and I created the the Moonwalkers Challenge, which the idea was to attend each month. It wasn't uh, just a matter of attending 12 moonwalks, but you had to attend each month. So uh, once you did complete all 12 months, then you were known as what we call Master Moonwalker. And we always had a ceremony. I would play the song, You'll Never Walk Alone, sung by Elvis. And everybody would circle around that individual, and we'd have some candlelights uh, out in the middle, and we'd play that song, and uh, that was fun. And once they became a master moonwalker, your moonwalker ticket went from black to red. And then once you completed the next year, got all 12 months, you became a moonwalker extraordinaire. So are you still doing the master moonwalker program? I tell you, you know, I, I, I did it for about three years, and I still have the, the Moonwalker tickets, and a lot of the new people don't even know about that because I got really overwhelmed by, by making these Moonwalk tickets. But they're still there. We still have a ceremony occasionally. That makes it a lot of fun when, we, when somebody does reach that, you know, next status. How did the Moonwalkers get started? Well, I'm the one that started it. I've always been mesmerized by the full moon as I think everybody is, is something that reoccurs periodically, and I think people find comfort in that as they do the change of the seasons. One February, there was a lot of snow out, and I thought it'd be fun to get some neighbors together and take a hike outdoors at night. So we met over at my house, and I have a little campsite close to my house, and we had a campfire, invited one of my neighbors and his wife to cook dinner for us. We took a hike out in the woods, and there's about three or four inches of snow. 
on the ground that night. The full moon came up just as we were uh, walking to the top of the ridge, and right at the end of the trail was this glorious full moon. I had a few other little surprises prepared. Uh, we got to a little clearing in the woods. I got out some Roman candles and we shot those at the full moon. I recited a little poem and we kind of all started howling at the moon. And we had a, a really nice time and went up to my house afterwards and I gathered everybody around the kitchen table and got a group shot. I think as we were leaving, somebody said the words, that was fun, let's do it again. So the rest is history. And now we've had uh, 60 walks. And you take a walk outside every moon. Yeah, some people think, well, if the moon's not out or if it's raining, there's not a moonwalk. No, the moonwalk goes on no matter what the weather is. Those who are walking, walk. Now, if the moon does come out, I mean, it's really, it gets everybody excited. But it's always nicer when you do see the full moon because that's really what we're celebrating. And there's some people around town that, you know, have been told that, well, somebody thought maybe it was a uh, cult of moon worshipers. And uh, it's certainly not that. It's just people really who feel good about themselves and they enjoy life. If you feel good about yourself, you feel good about others and you want to share life's experiences with others. So it's it's, it's fun to get together and do something crazy like a snowy night, go out and, and hike out in the woods. You know you're always going to have a good meal. And some people just come for the food. They'll, they'll eat and they don't have any intention of walking, and that's fine too. They'll go on home and after doing a little bit of socializing. But uh, most of the people like to hike too. How can someone new get involved? Uh, you know, everybody's welcome. I think it's really caught on with people that are new in the community. If anybody's interested in uh, joining the Moonwalkers, email me at M-I-K-E-L-L-E-Y-12 at AOL.com. Once you start, it's like coming to Brown County. Once you come to Brown County to visit, next thing you find yourself wanting to come here to live because of the avions that is available here. Only in Brown County. <laughs> well, that's right. But I think it's a, a nice community thing. People seem to enjoy it. It brings people together. Oh, the Moonwalker motto is, if you haven't a friend in the world, you'll find one at a moonwalk. That's a great ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Steve Kennard, Jackie Watson, Mike Kelly, and the rest of the Moonwalkers. For the Brown County Hour, this is Kaylee Witt, Walking with Nature. That's my kind of event, a good time and some delicious food. You should go. It's fun. What other Christmas music do you like? I guess it's because of a high school band chorus background or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure. But I always like the big traditional carols, the large sound of organs and just humongous sounds. One of my favorite uh, Christmas albums had uh, Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and it did all these traditional carols. And Probably about 14 years ago that we did a Christmas show that Nancy Borland was part of, Jack, Jack Kornbroke. Where was that? That was at the Daily Grind. And Nancy came with her cello, and Donna Clay came with a guitar. I'm pretty sure um, I was there. Yeah, you yeah. were probably there for yeah. the first one. We had an awesome time, and I think we did it a second year. We just had a wonderful time. It was fun to do. We tried to do sing-along things. We found, too, that Donna Clay and I, Nancy Worland, could do little trio things with a cello and a guitar and me on the recorder. We did a lot of things that were instrumentals, too, and some sing-alongs, and that was kind of fun. So you told me you had a Gordon Lightfoot song you might like to share with us. Yeah, it's a song that's suited to the uh, season, an expression of love. Sounds perfect. Let's take a listen. This is called Song for a Winter's Night by Gordon Lightfoot. Mm -hmm. 
lamp is burning low upon my tabletop. The snow is softly falling. The air is still in the silence of my room. I hear your voice softly calling. If I could only have you near to breathe a sigh or two, I would be happy just to hold the hands I love on this winter night with you. The smoke is rising in the shadows overhead. My glass is almost empty. I read again between the lines upon each page the words of love you sent me. If I could know within my heart that you were lonely. I would be happy just to hold the hands I love on this winter night with you. The fire is dying now, my life is growing dim. The shades of night are lifting. The morning sun steals across my window pane, where webs of snow are drifting. If I could only have you to breathe a sigh or two. Would be happy just to hold the hands I love on this winter night with you, and to be once again with you. Here's one for the season. Caller from Lick Creek Road said a deer has its tongue stuck on the neighbor's mailbox. Must have had salt on it. Boy, that sure puts you in the holiday spirit. Speaking of spirit, where's that wassail? I need to wet my wassail. I'd love to hear that piece on the incredibly talented Tom Tedro. Where is it, Vera? Is it ready? We have today with us Tom Tedro. Tom, may I ask exactly what you call yourself? Well, let's see. I artist, furniture artist, woodworker, uh, sculptor. How would you describe the differences between having a studio in the big city and a studio in the country? Well, it's a lot quieter. In Chicago, I had my own shop, and that was about a half a block away from the elevated train, close to an L stop. So that was was noisy and a lot of street traffic. I opened another shop again, uh, but this one was close to Chinatown. It was right next to the Dan Ryan Expressway. I literally could open the window and reach out and touch the uh, 
uh, concrete of the expressway. Amazing. So that was pretty noisy, and it was always a constant slight vibration going on. I... All right. So in that respect, uh, working here is is a lot different because I'm out in the country. I've got birds and can't hear the quiet because there's too many birds singing. <laughs> so it's more, a lot more peaceful. I saw your pieces in the show up at the State Museum. I was absolutely amazed at the uniqueness of the design and the superb craftsmanship. The uh, name of the show is or was uh, making it in the midwest artist who chose to stay so in my case i don't know how true that is then because i did i left and came back so it wasn't as if i stayed since i was born but i was glad to be a part of it what were your impressions of the show a nice diverse amount of work there was uh uh kind of traditional painting, abstract painting. There was uh, my work, uh, Willie Faust does kind of sculptural sort of woodworking but and painted surfaces and does painting. There were some ceramic pieces. There were some multimedia pieces. So it was a good mix of stuff. They're uh, working on um, another show of uh, just uh, of studio furniture uh, for, I think, uh, 2014. And that would include... Indiana artists only? Yeah, just, yeah, be Indiana uh, furniture makers. Where do you get your inspiration for the sculptures? Let's see. Well, going through undergraduate school, well, and graduate school also, I, uh, I took as much art history as I could. So I get a lot of inspiration from, from other artists as far as uh, the way they approach their work or elements of the, that they used. Jacques Ruhlman uh, and uh, Eugene uh, Prince. Ruhlman did uh, extremely elaborate, way overdone, with a lot of handwork uh, inlays and exotic materials, and uh, they're extraordinary pieces. Uh, I've seen some of his. They're still, since they were so expensive at the time, they have stood the test of time, and and they're hundreds of thousands of dollars. Aye. But they're really Fantastic. So he's one, and then the uh, the other one uh, is a contemporary of Roman, uh, Eugene Prince. He's not as well known as Roman, but uh, he did very un- unusual uh, pieces, uh, and he collaborated with a lot with um, a uh, lacquer artist. Uh, uh, he would uh, lacquer the cabinets that uh, Prince designed, and they would have. Uh, scenes on them or geometric patterns or, or something. These pieces were still functional? Oh, yeah, very much so, yeah. Despite being very elaborate. Uh-huh. And that goes to the same for your pieces. When um, I was working at the Children's Museum, Alex Black and I, uh, Alex Black is now the uh, head of the exhibits department, we had to build uh, all these uh, cabinets for the new uh, design studios, for the photography studio, for the uh, silk screen shop, and then they had a big room for laying stuff out. We built tables and cabinetry for that, and the designers had all kinds of cabinetry and work tables and stuff in their uh, rooms. This was the first time that um, I had actually made something from a drawing. And this is really when I first started doing any kind of woodworking. These were basically very straightforward, standard 
kitchen cabinet stuff, but I really got excited about making a functional piece from a drawing because I always liked drawings. That was the one class that I got an A in at Purdue. So that got me started um, on making functional things. I was looking for a lightness of intent in your work, a sense of humor, you might say. Yes and no. I get, uh, well, most of the time I get really uh, wrapped up into it. I end up creating kind of a monster that takes a lot more work to accomplish than I uh, thought it would. So I get stressed out sometimes by the time I finish a piece. But it's nice when it's done. I'm ready to go on to the next thing. Created a monster. (laughs) You've got to work hard to bring it down to size so you can control it. Right, yeah. So, you know, it yeah. tries to kill me sometimes, but I usually <laughs> conquer them. Do you like the interaction with the people, with the clients as well? Yeah, for the most part. I know once in a while you get a crazy client, but the the hardest part is uh, getting work done when they think that it should have been done. The crazy ones have been the ones that say they want a piece, but they're having a, a big party, and they have to have they have to have this piece of furniture done for this party. That's the whole reason that they're having this party is to have this piece there. <laughs> Do you stay away from that type? Oh no, no, you gotta you gotta pay the bills. So it's, <laughs> you know, it, it always ends up being a nightmare at the end, though. <laughs> is there something I've not covered? Well, a couple of years ago, I uh, applied for a uh, project grant with the Indian Arts Commission to buy some uh, welding equipment. I got the I got the grant, so I bought some welding equipment, and I'm starting to work on some uh, uh, welded steel sculpture. I'm kind of starting to move towards non-functional pieces. I've been making them for 35 years plus, and I'm anxious to do some non-functional pieces. And in a total different material as yeah. well. Yeah, uh-huh. Just getting started working on those. I enjoyed listening to you talking, and I hope you oh, had a good time reaching back for all those yeah. memories. Yeah, yeah. So many talented people in the county. Now let's listen to the town carolers. Oh, Oh, Lord. 
Station Identification. Oh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glows All of the other reindeer Used to laugh and call him names They never let poor Rudolph Join in any reindeer games Then one foggy Christmas Eve Santa came to say Rudolph, with your nose so bright Won't you guide my sleigh tonight And how the reindeer loved him And they shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You go down in history Green Cuisine by Gunther Flum. Now in Brown County, we all feel we have that holiday appeal all around us all the time. Enhanced by nature so sublime that we thought it would be a treat to have a holiday spot to eat. And so we went around Brown County and gathered up our daily bounty, for we had found the mother loads of fresh green products from our roads and from our woods with fruits and nuts. We flavored roadkill squashed in ruts. And after found, if we don't swerve, there's other things that we might serve, like turkey vultures baked or fried with parts of critters still inside, which dressed and garnished cannot fail the salad made of raccoon tail. And we hope folks will like to try our possum pizzas, puddings, pies, once they're calm and not as scared at how their meal got prepared. For there's a problem that we've got that bothers folks around here a lot. In spite of different roadkill spoil and all the scooping, skinning toil, and all the country roads kept clean to keep our standards evergreen, yet since we use up every part, we had this problem from the start. For at our holiday diner spot, when city folks pass by, they stop. They see our menu on the wall. Their face takes on this ghastly pall. They stare and stammer through the door. Well, what holiday you cooking for? Welcome to Do-It-Yourself Brown County Style. Today, in keeping with the poem by Gunther Flum we just heard, we feature a new cookbook, Carry On the Tradition. 101 Things to Do with Roadkill. We're here today with Brown County authors Auntie Snus and Gunther Flum. Auntie Gunther, good to have you on the show. Uh, could you share with us your vision of the perfect Brown County Christmas dinner? First off, we've got two lovely appetizers ready for your pure chewing satisfaction. Snails on nails or breaded bagworms, yeah. my favorite. Yeah, how'd you get them little snails on them nails? And and I don't think they're dead yet, is they? Well, that's the idea. You don't want them to be dead because you want to have them fresh. Okay, so you on, just get on. them to perch on those little nails. <coughs> See? Oh, yeah. Isn't that lovely? Oh, yes, it is. You didn't tell me how good that was. Mm -hmm. It's just like Grandma used to impale. Yeah, I love yeah. the snails, and I love the nails. Now it I takes know what a while, her. but it's worth the effort. Now, also, if you would like some soup, we can go on down. We've got the good old buzzard bisque that everybody likes. Oh, buzzard bisque. Old I love buzzard, buzzard bisque. It's just so nice and creamy. It has a natural effervescence. It's almost like 
someone's poured a soft drink into it or something. I don't know. Kind of like vultures and velvet. Mmm. Creamy. It's so bubbly. And then we have beans and coon bread. Oh, I love mm. beans and coon bread. Coon bread served with the tail. Mm, it's so good. It takes me back to the days when me and my family lived in that log underneath the bridge. Yeah, you were raised by possums. I remember that. Now, yes. now are, are those jalapeno toad poppers I see there as an appetizer? Well, as a matter of fact, we were going to serve those, but they, most of them were eaten by the kids. The jalapeno toad poppers are a big favorite among the kids here in the kitchen. Yeah, but hang on. What's that stuff sticking out? Hang on. Oh, that, uh, hmm, what is that sticking out of the bottom? Uh, never mind. No, that's just something to add to texture. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, like xanthan gum, but not. Okay, all right. So what are you going to have for uh, an hors d'oeuvre? Anything? Well, we've got those hors d'oeuvres. We have the lovely breaded bagworms, and we've got the snails on there. Now, the yeah, bagworms yeah. weren't hard, or weren't very easy to bear, to bread because yeah, yeah. They're, they're moving so much. Yeah, well, what's, so, uh, what's, yeah. what's moving under there? What is that? Well, I think that's something that crawled in. Wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. That's my accountant. Oh, all right. No, that's okay. He's a good guy. You can see he's got glasses on. He's he's a good guy. He used to be a lawyer, but... And what kind of salad is that, by the way? Mm, that's the best salad you can get. It's a roadside salad. A roadside salad? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by roadside salad? Well, it's when you go to town and pretty much anything you find alongside the road becomes a salad. Oh. You can get a lot of good stuff from the ditch. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Oh, my goodness. It's yummy. You have to serve it with a flinch dressing because you never know when you're going to get hit by a car. Yikes. But it's very good. It's nutritious, and it's good for your roughage. Yeah, I noticed that McDonald's wrapper in there. Well, well, sure, you know, you have to get your you have to get your fiber where you can get it. Roadkill, huh? But mm. it's a it's a very nice side salad. Oh, mm. you only get you know it's only the best here in in beautiful Brown County. We have to, you know, we have to keep up a tradition. Uh, it's a, it's carry on. Now is that is that cranberry sauce I see there? Well, Sand? actually, it's cranberry. Juice. Cranberry juice. Cranberry. It's Sandhill cranberry Sand juice. Sandhill cranberry mm, juice. That's what we're serving with the meal. Oh, you my get goodness. Ice water, sassafras tea, or Sandhill cranberry juice. Now, I noticed the water that's, has a crawdad in it. Is that for purity? To No, I'm just soaking it in there so I can have it later. Oh, all right. All it's right. just a little something I keep around as a snack. Oh, okay, all but, right. you know, we have all the good things. Now, the best thing about it, though, is the big main course of the whole evening. Oh, yeah? What's that, that going to be? It's the mm. tire tartar. Okay. Oh, it's so very good. It'll come with a little bit of those. If we have any left, we'll have some jalapeno toad poppers, some tire tartar, and it'll be served with a turkey vulture au jus. And Ooh, then you can have a little bit of bunny butter. If you like the bunny butter, you can have just a little bit on there. Oh, I love bunny oh, butter. Biscuits so and bunny good. butter. It just makes my ears perk up every time I eat it. And so what are we going to have for dessert? Well, we've saved the best for last. Oh, it's so good. It's my favorite. Squirrel twirl ice cream on chocolate carp cakes. Mm, I love mm. that. Oh, mm. Looky, looky, oh, little carp that. cakes. They've got their little tails sticking out the end. It's so beautiful. Look, 
when I was moving. No, I should have gone and chopped that a little bit finer, I guess. But that's okay. Those carp cakes will be really good. My friend Little Debbie gave them to me. Is that is that kittens mixed in with those carp cakes? Is that well, what it says on the ingredients there? What? You, well, think? it's not kittens. It's just oh, kittens. cats. It's cats. I'm sorry. Cats it's and not the whole kitten. We Got wouldn't it. be so cruel as to chop up a whole kitten. Got it. <laughs> Okay. That's silly. You're just a funny. But you know, this is a lovely Christmas meal, and everyone will enjoy it. And then we can start drinking the hard liquor once we're done. <laughs> you mean the deer beer? Deer beer. Deer mm. beer is a wonderful thing. Deer beer, it gives you very good sight, and uh, you can run through the woods very good after you've drink, drank the beer, beer, and it's a, it's 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 a beautiful thing. It's, like you take your roadkill deer and you put it in a still and you let it ferment and then you, like, drink that deer beer. Okay, okay. That's the only way I knew to do it. Yeah, yeah. I was, well, I've been drinking it for years, but uh, well, somebody's got to drink it. We've made a ton of this stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's but it'll true. be a good thing. We'll have a lovely Christmas dinner. And tell everyone to come and enjoy the wonderful things that we've prepared. And it's all free. All you need is a little bit of imagination and a little walk down the road at the right time. I see one more thing, though. What do you got? Is that Woody Stump's version of Punk Skunk where he held it together with safety pins after he found it in the road? Well, I know. He was just throwing that together. He wanted to surprise, you know, uh, Aunt Lovey was going to be coming over. and Well, he wanted to surprise her with that little skunk. Okay, Punk Skunk. But is that that added color purple or is that something else that made that purple? It's got a little bit of a mohawk, but that's just the way he wanted to make it so he could give it a good presentation. You know, He's been watching Gordon Ramsay quite a bit, and he's just kind of gone off the deep end with that stuff. I got to Oh, my gosh. Yikes. Well, there you go. That's, that's about it. Okay. I, I, I think that's about all we've got to, to give our guests. And uh, don't forget to uh, say grace before you eat. Auntie Gunthers, thank you so much for uh, sharing your perfect Brown County Christmas dinner ideas with us. Uh, we got to go. <laughs> Even if it's free, I'm not going. I don't think I'm going to go either. You got to be killing me. <laughs> Let's have some more of that wassail. Kurt, I know that you've been very active in the local f- volunteer fire department here in Nashville. I was wondering if you could give our listeners some tips about fire safety at Christmas time and holiday. Well, I, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that they always talk about is, of course, you know, the hazards uh, from uh, too many things plugged into electrical outlets because people use that, uh, use electrical outlets that they might ordinarily use for something else to add on Christmas tree and mm-hmm. outdoor lights. And so, you know, you might want to be awfully cautious about that. Don't string extension cords underneath carpets or furniture, places you might walk on them and cause them to become frayed. Uh, 
cooking is always a problem. It's uh, it's easy for young kids to get scalded with pan handles facing off the stove. Mm-hmm. So when you're not using the pan, turn the handle in away to, to towards the wall. Um, if uh, you should have a fire, of course, call the fire department right away, even if you think you can get it out. Um, but uh, and then if it's in the oven, close the oven door and shut it off. If it's an electrical fire, shut off your uh, your uh, mains to your house and uh, get out and wait for the fire department to check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, everybody needs to have a, a place that they have agreed on uh, to meet outside, so you can make sure everybody's out of the house. And, uh, you know, it needs to be someplace like a rock or a tree, something, not a car that might be moved, but someplace that is uh, near the home but sufficiently away that everybody will be safe. But, uh, you know, basically don't be shy about calling the fire department, uh, even though uh, all the fire departments in this county are a volunteer they have to undergo the same training as any paid department uh, uh, in order to uh, to do the work they do, and uh, they're all fine uh, departments. Are there a lot more fires uh, at Christmas time than any other time of the year? Or well, uh, there are chimney fires. Kind of, yeah, chimney fires also. Uh, you know, uh, it's it, it kind of depends. You know, I think uh, uh, many of the cases of bad wiring, sad to say, are good to say have already uh caught fire (laughs) so Mm -hmm. but they've uh you know it's uh uh, there are times when people um you know go away leave things plugged in that otherwise they wouldn't space heaters are always a big issue in the in the winter things fall down on them they get underneath curtains pets can knock them over if they don't have a functioning safety switch they can be hazardous so you know it's just a matter really of common sense uh you know it's uh it's uh i don't think any more risky in the winter than it is in the summer except with the addition of some of the extra electrical appliances mm-hmm. okay well thanks very much we hope that everybody is taking note of what you just said and we have a safe christmas and holiday season here in brown county well, that'd be nice so yeah. that way we all get to stay home too how about another song Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Helps to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from 1 to 92 Although it's been said many times, many ways 
Christmas to you. Well, you sure helped us out here today to celebrate the holidays, and I appreciate your coming in to spend some time with us. I look forward to hearing you out playing soon, I hope. Well, Thank you. Yeah, thanks. It's It's been our pleasure. It's, uh, we're really excited about the idea that, uh, you know, uh, Brown County does uh, have now a local radio show. And I think that a lot of people forget that uh, Brown County has, uh, you know, everybody talks about Brown County art, but immediately what you think about is, is painting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there's uh, there are so many talented musicians here. Uh, right that uh, many of whom rarely, if ever, play out. But, I mean, there, there are so many people here who are excellent musicians, uh, songwriters, um, you know, just poets in their own right. Right. And I'm happy that the show has started that uh, is going to give, I hope, uh, all of them a chance to, right. uh, to be heard. Well, I, I'm glad that you agree with that. We love it, too. And uh, I always say that Brown County's best-kept secret is that they have just as many good musicians as we do have good artists. They don't call it Nashville for nothing. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Marge. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, this is Susan Showalter, and I'm here with for the Brown County Hour with Kurt and Marge Young. We wish you all a happy holiday. <laughs> happy New Year, everyone. I The Brown County Hours all-volunteer production team includes executive producer Chad Carruthers, managing producer Pam Rader, technical producer and webmaster Jeff Foster, and the Brown County Hour crew, George Clegg, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Frank Jones, Tyra McCain, Scott Nelson, Janice Pierce, Julia Pearson, J.T. Robinson, Pete Siebert, Susan Showalter, John Sisson, and Kaylee Witt. And a slap on the back to our friend Slats Klug for his musical contributions. You can hear this or any of our episodes at our website, browncountyhour.com. Tune in for the next episode of the Brown County Hour, coming up February 18th, 2012, right here on WFHB. You've been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home. Brown County home.